1: Saturday morning, and here come the girls, Ray and Faye, with Let's Talk
0: Gardening. And greetings, gardening lovers. It's wonderful to be chatting with you again, and I hope you really have been enjoying uh, this delicious rain. It's been fantastic. And the team is ready. Bev Daring on the lines and John Glidden will assist us all with whatever we throw at him this morning. You can go to gardening at curtainfm.com.au. That's our email address if you'd like to send us an email. The lines are open 94841927. And a big shout out to Alan Simons for entertaining us with his witty cleverness and comments. And Fabulous music selection. And Peter Kelly, also a very good gardener himself, I might add, supported Alan today. And of course, our cycling DJ Jim Crinan wrapped up breakfast with his cycling update just now. Jim returns next Saturday morning. And the Let's Talk Gardening program is sponsored by Garden in a Bag. Free delivery when buying six bags or more. Good deal.
2: Faye Caro. Good morning, and welcome back from Easter yeah. egg. Yeah,
0: did you manage to to chomp through a few eggs, Easter eggs, a bit of chocolate? Oh, a couple,
2: not a lot, but I did buy some radish seeds called Easter eggs, right. and they come in a variety of colours. So radish, radish, radish.
0: Oh, that's radish. interesting. Very that nice quick in and salad. easy
2: to grow. Exactly. So, what
0: colours are we talking?
2: Oh, I think there was a green and a oh. reddish colour, a mauve, like purplish. Yeah. I okay. think the seeds are still in the back of the car,
0: of course they are, yeah, <laughs> what have you been up to Firstly, I just want to tell listeners it looks like an absolute greenhouse in here face I'm sitting in the middle of a greenery on either side of her. It's like a little mini jungle in here, which we love. Uh, we like to bring the garden into the studio. well, Wish I, everyone could see it.
2: Ray, I could not leave this baby out in the foyer, not that it's a little baby, no folks sitting next to me on the chair, I have a Multi-headed Monstera variegata. Yeah, the leaves are bigger than any sporting ball you could find. Bigger than a basketball. Oh yeah. Uh, gosh, they're almost—they're the size of a tennis racket, Ray. Mm. And this That's was
0: the a mm. Yeah. So, oh, I,
2: I wasn't sure. Yeah. This is a cutting that I gave Ray. How many years ago?
0: Ah, uh, you gave it to me. I don't know. I'd have to check that out. But for a birthday, you know, going back probably about four four years ago. Yeah. Well And it's growing. It's growing. It's it's nearly hitting the roof. It's on my balcony outside my bedroom, and it's nearly up to the roof. What high. a monster! This is an absolute credit to you, Ray. To to have. A plant of this
2: quality and size is just it's my like baby. amazing. Yes, yeah. it's my baby. She, can, This
0: girl can garden, folks. Well, it gets looked after mm. and uh, it's, it's special. And, you know, no one sees it because it's in my bedroom, but it's, it's for me. I don't need anyone else to see it. It's Security. It's, uh, it's just so I, I derive pleasure from looking at it. No, but what like I mean is you art. wouldn't want it at your front door because oh, it might just walk it'd be away. At risk, yeah, no. absolutely. Because these have notoriously brought in a lot of money in the last few years. People have paid thousands for these plants. Thousands. I, I still see them on the internet for four thousand. You know, um, it's they bring in big money. And, and
2: cuttings going for a hundred dollars or more. Oh, much more. Mm. I've since we've. Been on our break, I've done a little bit of reconnaissance work, yeah. right? And I've had
0: a couple of hot tips recently. The price has come down on these, absolutely. A lot. But in the last few years, wow, we it was getting up to around that there was around that four or five thousand dollars marks that people were actually paying for a plant.
2: Mm. Well, yeah, that, it's crazy. Anyway, mm. uh, some people are doing their best to keep the prices down. Good, and I've recently been out shopping and getting around to a few of the nurseries. and... I have to say, the other day I popped into John Coles mm. and they had variegated monstera's for under $100. Mm. The, the Thai? Mm. The Thai Constellation. Thai Constellation. And they had other and plants. And they're a decent on, size. Uh, small plants. Small but healthy. Mm. And, you know, it's lovely to watch a plant grow. Right. I mean, certainly these plants would would fit somewhere in your house. Mm. I wouldn't recommend you putting them out in the cold weather. Um, You know, they're probably fine on a patio, but when we bring plants home from a nursery at this time of year, if they've been grown in warmer conditions, Mm. we have to remember that. Mm. So some of these plants like humidity Mm. and they will do better if there's a little bit of moisture around. Mm. And you can achieve that by putting pebbles in a, a shallow bowl with water. Or you and can then even get the plant humidifiers. On top of yeah. Mm. yeah. So these you know, little things like this help keep your plants healthy because quite often the white parts of a plant can turn brown,
0: and that can be lack of humidity. Lack of humidity. Most, most, most of the time, that's what the. Problem and it is. can be too much water, not be. enough water. <laughs> and certainly, they don't need the sunlight yeah, mm. directly on their leaves. That's for sure. So no, it's. Uh, uh yeah, as I say, it's 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 quite an industry out there, the gardening industry, but as we've mentioned on the program, some of the rarer plants do bring in big money. And still, I can see that you've got a little, I'm going to call him my Billy plant here, little Billy, Billy T.A. How do you say it? Billy T.I.? Bilietia. Bilietia. <laughs> well, I'll say Billy. He's yeah, we'd we'll
2: just call it. And you know, these love- have been on my list for a little while because mm. I've seen the mature leaves that are long mm. and puckered, like seersucker, like yeah. the old tablecloths. Yeah. And um, so I, that was another hot tip I got this week. Yeah, uh, they, are, they someone are great. Shared that uh, the big. Shed had them in, yeah. and um, they really are a collector's plant.
0: Well, they are, and the variegated one, oh, there's one on the internet at the moment for 3600 and apparently that is a very good price. So. Oh, my <laughs> Compared <goodness>. to $20. <laughs> mm. <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. We should talk gardening. Wow, we've got great guests, as we always do, thanks to Fayakari. We're talking to the Frog Doctor. We're on to our next series, Johnny Profumo. What we'll be hearing from Johnny today, Faye?
2: Well, we talked about a uh, beginner's intro- introduction to frogscaping. And we talked about uh, frogs needing water for breeding. And of course, this, the season's changed now and there's water around everywhere. And I think that's a bit of a signal. So we're now going to the next level. Um, we also talked back then about what frogs need. So creating the environment to have their food so that they'll be happy and healthy. Yeah. Um,
0: so we're chatting at 20 past 8 to Johnny about uh, about what Faye's just been discussing. And then at 5 past 9 Bonnie Falconer, horticulturalist and WA herbarium volunteer. Uh, it's fungi season it well, she certainly
2: is. And Bonnie's very proactive on Facebook. You know, we've got groups for everything. There's uh, Frogs of Western Australia, there's moths of Western Australia. There's fungi of Western Australia. And people pop up their photos and experts and and other enthusiasts chime in. So we're learning about these things all the time. One thing I learned from Bonnie is that the common old earth stars that I'm always unearthing in my garden Mm. have about 10 different varieties. So now I'm going next level to work out what those differences
0: are. And, and you can never assume that you know. Oh. <laughs> it just keeps on expanding. Oh, no. I could spend all day following groups and reading. I really mm. can. I just find that it's so educational and informational. Exactly. So, yeah, mm. for
2: people who, who think, Facebook's got a bad rap. It's not for stalking people
0: yeah, or, no. you know,
2: venting how you're feeling this morning. Yeah, no, um, no. There's you know, a there's lot of so many
0: groups, interest groups, informational groups. Yeah, I, I do find it very worthwhile from that perspective. And we've got our giveaways this morning, our $75 gift vouchers, both from Bigger Trees and Green Life Soil Code, to give away to you this morning. We'll do one each hour to keep things interesting. So... Give us a call, 94841927. And uh, when I'm talking, Faye just wriggles around in a chair and her arms are going, and I feel like I have to hurry. Yes, Faye. Oh, yes, go no, ahead. No, no, just... <laughs> you know, if we run out of things to talk about, Ray. Never.
2: I have a bucket of goodies here. All right. Tell us what they are. Well, yesterday, you know, I'd i been busy bringing my plants in because i Oh, I thought we were going to get that. a storm and, and yeah. wet weather. Eddie gave me a fright last night. He said Michael Barbaro was coming to stay because he had a show near us. And I'm like, sure, no problems. And then he goes, just joking, I've heard you filled up all the rooms, <laughs> which is partly true. So Eddie, I've got Eddie my... said that
0: to you?
2: Yeah, he, he was teasing me, oh. yeah. And um, so I have brought plants in. I filled up my spare room because that gets the best light. And then I went, oh you know what, we probably don't need the bath. We can probably do without the bath. So So you've got
0: plants in there.
2: Yep, and then the shower recess ray and across the floor and on the bench because it's a brightly lit room. It photographs well because it's got all the white surfaces Mm. and we've got a heat light. Oh. So, you know, if it gets too cold, That's I a great just, spot for the plants. I know. Oh, that's I know. very good.
0: No, I like that. I do, I must say, I do use my bathrooms uh, for plants, yes, and mine's getting more and more added to it because of the humidity and the light in there and, yeah. And so I've
2: forgotten what the question was that you asked me. So have I. <laughs> <laughs>
0: what's, what's in oh, your bucket? Oh, what's in the bucket? Yeah, well, yeah, you know, so after
2: playing with all my plants and giving them love and bringing them inside, I then sort of felt like I wanted mm-hmm. to do some vases. So I went out mm-hmm. into the garden. I picked some hydrangeas and put them into a, a very pinkish earthenware type pot and that's oh, centre pretty, table. Pretty. Um, so I just kind of jazzed up the indoors. Mm-hmm. And then I got some leafy foliage because... You know, everything doesn't have to be flowers. These are the magnolia branches. Yeah. And they do beautiful in oh, the bars, don't they? There's no shortage of them. The tree is like taller than the house. I know, I've seen it. Uh and I picked some cordlines. So I got a strelitzia, the giant Strelitzia strelitia. I just got a couple of those leaves and then I picked a couple of um chocolate burgundy cord lines. And I put them in a vase so they'll root. But then I picked off the lower leaves and I polished them and I just laid them out against the Strelitzia leaf. And then, uh, you know, I thought, well, what else can you do? Just the good old fashioned Aspidistra. Like yeah. those yeah. leaves are stunning
0: and yeah, they polish they really beautifully. Are. And what, how wonderful in a vase. Mm. Yeah.
2: I also uh, grabbed some military fern for a, a different look. A couple of stalks of Sansevieria, the mother-in-law's tongue. You know, they look amazing in a in a vase, and you can even use a vase that's as tall as them, Mm. and you could. Put a little bit of sphagnum moss in the bottom. And they're just going to stay there for
0: forever, just about. Well, they'll root. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And then, of course, the good old-fashioned Ruscus, which lasts yeah.
0: months in a bath. It does. Now, you gave me a cutting of Ruscus a few years ago. Yeah. Is I that still, doing well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's slow. but it's They are slow. But he's, he's doing well. He's mm. in the shade house. Yeah.
2: And then this this is a favourite. I picked four of these stems, Ray. Uh, Odontanema, Fire Spike. And waxy green leaves, just tough as old boots. Oh my word! Feel feel how waxy and
0: tough those leaves yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. They almost plastic. A, and the, a, yeah, very thick. And the red flower. Mm.
2: Yeah. Stunning. Yeah. So I it reminds of me of Christmas. Yeah. Well, they mm. could be used, and they they would team lovely with a white, with a gardenia or something yeah. along those lines. Wow. So, yeah, there's a bit for you to play with there, and it, of course these uh don't grow very well from cuttings. You may even find that by putting them into water that they'll take root. And a lot of plants do. So yeah. folks you can get out, you can pick a few different things, pop them in a vase, change the water weekly. Yes. And before you know it you'll have you'll roots. Have some roots happening. In fact the dracaenas do that. Here's a very little well. mini dracaena. Oh my and then calatheas. Yes. The leaves of them I adore are just them. amazing. I adore and they're them. pretty
0: tough plants. Yeah, and they're not bad at all. Not bad at all. So, what a variety, Faye. Hey? That's just a, a bubble. Well, of we've joy right of, there. <laughs> we've
2: switched to ornamental gardening at our place, Ray. That's all right.
0: Because we that, can't do much else. That this week. Yeah, well, mm. I don't. You have other yeah. issues as well. I totally get that. Brenda from the Mukti Mission phoned in. And I know we gave the Mukti Mission a mention on air a couple of weeks ago, and she's saying they had a plant sale and they raised $2,200, and they're really thrilled with the result, and then they're thanking us for promoting that. Oh, so that's all good to hear. a great cause. Thanks for calling in and letting us know, Brenda. We're happy to help. And? Shall we go to a break and then... You, again, I'm talking, and Faye, I can tell you want to say something. Go ahead. No, no, I was just writing okay. my notes because okay. I know you're going to ask me about
2: vegetables. and
0: I am. <laughs> I am. I want to know what we need to be planting this weekend. And uh, when we get back from our break, we're going to be chatting with Johnny Profumo, the frog doctor, no less.
3: Uh, radio
0: in well, guys, I have absolutely no idea what that was all about. However, we have returned and Faye, up or down would you like? Up, please, Ray. Uh, happening? Can you hear? I'd have to wriggle <laughs> your little thing around under the desk. Sorry, listeners. We'll get That's another right. set of you headphones. Just... How can they just, just, how can your hearing just. Well, something happens. Happens in the break. Okay, okay. Always fun and games, live radio, totally recommend it. I'm good now. You're good. All right. Well, we do have Johnny Profumo online. Johnny is the frog doctor. Good morning, Johnny. You're with Ray and Faye. How are you?
4: I'm well. Can you hear me okay?
0: We can yes. hear you fine.
2: Loud and clear. Good. good. Yeah. Where are, where are we talking to you uh, from today, Johnny?
4: I'm at home in Jalorup.
2: Oh, nice. Oh, lovely part of the country.
4: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, the birds are singing and, and, and also uh, we've had our first rain. So the frogs are calling and um, so the moaning frogs have started their, their call.
2: Oh, wow. So when yeah. we last talked to you, we we talked about frogs that might be around the garden, uh, the, the slender tree frogs and the motorbike frogs. Yeah. Um, yeah. So moaning frogs, are they around Perth as well? Yes, they are.
4: Um, they, probably the museum gets more phone calls for the, for the moaning frog than any other frog, and it kind of goes like this. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, familiar. Um, and their call, their story is quite a significant. I'll just shut them off for now. <laughs> I uh, thought
0: that
2: was you. <laughs> Sorry? I thought that was you making that noise.
4: Oh, well, it depends on what kind of, what time of the day you get me. <laughs> During the day, it's not a good time to for a frog to call. No. <laughs> right. Yeah, so they, um, the, 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 the moaning frogs are really interesting because they live in the dry land, uh, you know, most of their life, 99% of the time, 95% of the time. And then the, the equinox um, is, the, is the trigger for the males to go down to a wetland, preferably like a seasonal wetland. and and they dig themselves in about a foot and then uh, come the first rains is the trigger for them to start calling for the girls and the reason why their calls are so loud and so synchronized is that they have to get they have to get the message out come come over here girls (laughs) yeah so the girls are quite spread out in the landscape in the dry landscape Um, and so the females go down there and Unfortunately, when you're driving on a wet night and you see a whole lot of frogs crossing the road, mm. the ones that you're running over actually, um, are actually females. Oh, damn! And yeah, so they all um, go on this march and and get down to the wetland. They the ma- males have burrowed down about a foot, and they when they mate, they they produce this egg. And the egg turns into tadpoles. Of course, it goes through this beautiful thing called metamorphosis. But the, but then the adults actually get out of the burrow because they actually can't swim, and um, so they they get out. And the tadpole, the egg turns into a tadpole, squirms around on the dry soil. Oh. Yes, and then it gets flooded. That little chamber burrow gets flooded, and then the little tadpoles um, actually go get flushed out into the water and they go through their metamorphosis in, in that water. But as soon as the, they're metamorphosised, they've developed into frogs, they're straight back up onto the dry land. So how, a lot of the time I get a phone call from somebody who's been digging in their garden. Yeah,
2: I've had that
4: <clears> happen.
2: And, so, and they'll come up. How long does that take?
4: takes about eight weeks. So they want to coincide it with the first rains and the flooding of the wetland. So, yeah, with, with climate change and, you know, declining water from both groundwater and, and water from the sky, it does make it hard on these particular frogs and they are a very good indicator because they live for about 15 to 20 years and so they're equivalent to the carnaby cockatoo mm-hmm. because they're long-lived mm. and... If you don't see recruitment of the little frogs ha- coming through you won't know that you've actually your, your populations you know disappeared and it's right. happened a lot in the um, in Perth or any kind of areas that's urbanized and you know the parks and gardens associate frogs with water uh, and mm. it's not the it's not the case with our West Australian frogs and so yeah they're the first footers I call them. The, the moaning frogs and quite an iconic frog probably, you know, if you live like I live about 500 metres or so from a wetland I have them on my place because I, I just have, um, I've got a lot of leaf litter and um, they live throughout the year so for me to go frogging during the summer it's easy, I just walk outside at night and, and um, they're out foraging and, and getting bugs and you know, terrestrial uh, insects and those kinds of things that and they'll even have a you know, chomp on snails and things like that. Oh. So, oh. I yes, like them all.
0: You've got your radio on in the background there, Johnny. Can I get you just to switch that off? No, first? I haven't. Well, have not you? I oh, just—we can hear a. Uh...
2: We're getting an echo. Yeah. Okay. I'll get you off. Is that better? Oh, it is. Uh, were, were we on speaker?
4: Yes.
0: We can. Yeah. Okay. The
4: Sorry. joys of live radio.
0: Oh, always, Johnny. Yeah. <laughs> no, definitely. We can hear ourselves. Uh... Echoing, but that's that's all right. It's not it's not severe. Okay. okay.
2: So just a wetland, like would the moaning frogs be in in other areas, perhaps? Well, where there's paper barks but not necessarily considered a wetland.
4: Yes, that's okay. right. They they live in they mainly live in the dry areas because they they actually um, they like eating those insects. The, the, the that's where they get their food. From. And so that's a that's a really good lead into you know why have a frog friendly garden is they're you know they're out there doing a lot of pest control for you mm. so you know having a veggie garden with a habitat garden a, a frog friendly garden is is really uh, a great benefit to not only yourself but uh, because you're actually interacting with nature and allowing nature to do its things and that thing is you know, you, they're doing pest control for you. They love cockroaches. They oh. love slaters, you know. So, um. They're all yeah, are that, good
0: things, yes. We yeah, that that's right. want that's them right. to eat, yes.
4: Yeah. And, you know, there's nothing like walking out. Probably the motorbike frog is, the in an urban landscape, the motorbike frog is probably the most common frog that um, people have interactions with in their ponds. And,. You know, they're a big frog. they they mm-hmm. can um they're quite gregarious, you know, they they show themselves during the day. Because um, if you you know, you're constructing a, a frog friendly garden, you you put in logs, you know, put in um horizontal logs and things like that going across the pond and they'll they'll use those uh logs to bask on and um and if there's a threat they can just jump straight in the water.
0: Yeah.
4: Yeah. yeah. So um Probably to get on track with you know constructing a frog-friendly garden, it's it's know your frogs and know know um, your location with regard to a wetland. If you do have a wetland nearby, or your house was um, was located on a wetland, you may get some of the um, leftovers that have actually migrate migrate through your place, and um, once it was their little place. So, you know, you could you could easily put in a little frog-friendly garden to um, allow those little critters to actually keep on surviving.
0: So, Johnny, uh, a lady, Lynn has just called in and she wanted to know how to attract frogs into a garden. Well, which this is exactly what we're talking about, is about creating the habitat.
2: Yeah. yeah. So, but for, uh, a, for
0: a beginner and if they, are, uh, as far as they're aware, they have no frogs in their garden? I know we've discussed this before. What would be the first few steps that you'd take?
4: First step, um, walk around your garden, get to know, you know, your different spots where you think you might want to um, have a little spot for for, for a pond. So no, no, make sure you, you look at, you know, where your sunlight's coming through. Your sunlight's very important. Um, if you have not enough sunlight, if you have too much shade, um, the male frogs won't won't go there because the male frogs um they have to make sure their offspring survive so frogs eat um moving kind of animals so you know terrestrial insects and other and invertebrates you know um but tadpoles eat algae and the algae need sunlight so you need to make sure that um you have adequate sunlight. So usually the formula is during the winter, you want to get a a nice northerly aspect and you want half to three quarters uh, of sunlight during the tadpole development. And then um, during the summer, you need to... Dappled light is good. Um, So I would look at, you know, because the sun is directly overhead, you need to guard your westerly aspect and look at your easterly aspect as well because that's how the, where the sun
0: you yeah, know, rises, rises and sets. directly above. Yeah.
4: <laughs> so sometimes if you've got too much sunlight, you can do stuff with it. You, know, you can put a shade sail up. So during the summer, you put the shade sail up and um, that covers it. And especially when it's being established, that's a pretty good idea. Um, so... The position with regard to sunlight is very important, and the other thing is uh, tadpoles use those uh, the sunlight and the temperature as triggers for metamorphosis. If you go and get a bunch of taddies and put them in the shade, uh, they they most most of the time they will not uh, metamorphosise because they don't have the indicators yeah. to to uh, triggers <clears throat> as such to go to the next stage. So they'll they'll basically be locked in a tadpole stage for years.
2: Oh, really? So All that right. can happen, oh, I guess, gosh. if they're being kept in a classroom. Is it? Would that be right? Yeah. Uh, look, um,
4: I I don't know with you guys, but when I was a kid, I used to do that. I used to go down yes, to the wetland and I
0: did. You know, yes. I cut my
4: teeth on that stuff, and yeah. it's a shame that people, um, are, you know, there's animal welfare and those kinds of things that. People uh, need to be aware of, but having a little, having tadpoles in an aquarium, and just placing it and understanding the life cycle and putting it in a spot where it gets adequate sunlight, is a great thing to see. Mm. So, yeah, you, if you if you had a a pond that was or an aquarium that was in the wrong spot, didn't have enough sunlight at the right time, you they wouldn't develop most of the time. Uh, and if you – and the male frogs, as, I'm getting, as I was talking about, the, the male frogs won't go to that water body if it's got too much shade because they know what their kids want, you know, their offspring um, need. So they need that algae to, to yeah, to, um, yeah get through.
2: Are there any special so, plants that you would <coughs> have in a pond to – um, oh. For for tadpoles or or for frogs themselves.
4: Yeah, look, I've got a list of of um, uh, of plants that um, when you're looking at your pond area, you've got to divide it up into zones. So you've got the deeper water area. Um, so I call that the submergent uh, kind of plants, and that. Plants that can live in that area um yeah. you know you've got water all year round uh and they can tolerate wet, wet feet yeah. um all year round so there's mm. <coughs> a whole lot of um different western Australian plants that uh you can actually um get and I can from from local nurseries uh in Perth that can tolerate yeah. that. I've yeah. actually got a list I can send through to you. Uh, Faye?
2: I think uh, you probably already have. Yeah. Mm. Yep. So I can share so that next. under the Facebook sure. post.
4: Okay. Um, and then so we went from submergent, the deep, deeper part of the pond that has water in it all the time to the emergent plants and this is where it gets really exciting because the emergent plants um, they they have water in it like a uh, they can get free water happening in the winter but during the summertime the, the levels in the ponds go down and mimics uh, a real wetland, you know and you can get uh, a whole lot of species of local plants that even flower and um, so they're not only sedges and rushes but they uh, are like herbaceous kind of plants. and when you when you invite when you get that kind of thing happening, you invite a lot of other uh, critters into your garden because of this boggy substrate, and it has such this diversity of plants in it so um, in that boggy area um, you you invite a lot of the insects they they suck the sand they they have this mineralized sand so as soon as you start um, getting that boggy kind of substrate happening with this kind of design um you invite a lot of um really beneficial insects such as um, butterflies and, and and native bees, and they in turn uh, are pollinators so um so they they can they can add to your frog friendly garden quite quite a lot and that's probably um where my story part of my story was like you know oh i'm going to make a frog pond, but then all of a sudden um a lot of other animals come in um. and so you go oh uh, but you understand also that the frogs like a bit of um, uh, they don't like water all the time because they are it's a reflection of our environment mm. and our, we live on the driest inhabited continent on this planet so they've adapted and so water all the time is not a good not a not not good for a diversity of frogs but um, you, you incorporate a boggy substrate, um, you get a lot of other animals in the system. And those animals that come in are in turn food for the frogs, so they don't have to go too far.
2: So, Johnny, talk, talking about food for, for frogs and tadpoles mm. and them yeah. being food for other things, what fish can you put safely in a frog pond?
4: Uh, the native fish are good. So, <clears throat> you know, we, we, my learning, my learning curve has been quite sharp in my early days of going down to uh, a wetland and catching these fish that we gambusia, um, and thinking that they're native, but they're they're not, and they're quite detrimental to um, to tadpoles and other native fish. So, um, I would. I wouldn't recommend people go down to a wetland, a creek, to catch these little fish that people call think that are native. Mm-hmm. They're called gambusia or mosquito fish, or mm-hmm. we used to call them. minnows. You
0: know, yeah, yeah.
4: Um, Pygmy perch are yes. uh, really um, well adapted to living in a small pond area. And if you get like you can in a small pond, um, probably a meter across, um, you can you can put four you can put between 2 and 4 uh pygmy perch in there and um they they will, they will love it they school along and they do all kinds of things when you watch them they um yeah and and if you get the males and females they'll, they'll breed up and you can you know you can give them to your friends to if when they make their um frog friendly garden so they they eat mosquito larvae and um they also eat if you've got um little crustaceans in your system like little um and things, they'll eat these little growths on them like teamcepphala um they look like little anemones so they're they're like a they're like a freshwater cleaner ass mm. like them too and and they love mosquito larvae um so yeah it's a bit of it, you put goldfish in the goldfish will go they love they love uh, frog frog larvae, frog oh, tadpoles. Yeah. And, and eggs. And also the goldfish um goldfish are related to carp, so the, the, the they like to, you know, um chew on the on the ground on the on the bottom and start mm, to mm. silt up stuff. So um yeah, so carp or, or goldfish, um, not recommended. Uh and so yeah, pigmy perch are highly recommended. And there's a couple of really good aquarium places um, through around the metro area. So um, I guess uh, on my info sheets, they actually, information sheets, they actually have those.
2: Well, I, w- um, I will share links to that under the yeah. today's Facebook page. Um,
4: Jeez, yeah. And I'm just updating that because there's another place in um, Coburn Central called um, Pace's. Uh, Pace's uh, aqua and they they actually specialise in native fish really um, interesting concept this guy has um, brought to the table uh, promoting native fish Mm. and other kinds of native um, aquatic uh, animals so (sighs) location is really important but the other thing you've got to consider is your your neighbours and um, when they're going to be breeding uh, and sleep.
2: <laughs> oh, absolutely. One, one, one of the questions I had last night was about frogs being outside the bedroom window, but I'm very mindful of the fact that we need to go to a break, Johnny. Um, sure. So this will be just part of a series on developing frog ponds and then perhaps moving into habitat if that's all right with you, yeah. if you'd like to continue with us to share with the listeners about frogscaping and, and habitat gardening.
0: Sure. And yep. what we'll do, um... Johnny, is create a compilation of the chats we've had with you and put them all yeah. together and then listeners can listen to a podcast and we'll have it just dedicated to this chat and so that people can go back and listen to the whole series if that's all right with you.
5: Yeah, Fabulous.
0: All right, we need to disappear. Thank you so much. Let you get on with your weekend. And we look forward to okay. speaking to you again very, very soon. Take care of yourself. Cheers. Okay. Thanks, Johnny. Thank you. Bye you. for now. And that was Johnny Perfumo, the frog doctor. Radio. And you're with Ray and Faye. This is Let's Talk Gardening. Encourage your phone calls, 94841927. And have we got a list Faye, of what's happening in the next few weeks? We'll go through that as well. You've I got do. Some I have lots of lots you. of, lots of what's happening. Okay.
2: Um, John brought us in on the break. It says Frog Watch Schools Froglish for beginners, and there's a load of information and photos of different frogs that we might find, and this is on the WA Museum website. So one of the first things that Johnny suggested. Was getting to know your frogs mm. and so that that's understanding what frogs might be in the area uh, what they look like if you were to come across one and also what they sound like mm. and mm. there's a, a frog id app that you can get and it's got the sounds of the different frogs you you can even put in a recording. And it will give you choices of what you might have seen.
0: I, I remember that like the moaning frog sound. I, I grew up with that sound. Yeah.
2: Around yeah. North Beach, swampy area. Yeah,
0: yeah. Mm. And also where the horses were kept. And that just brought me straight back to that. Oh. Yeah. And there were there were swamps. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the that was the sound at night.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's
0: quite comforting actually. <laughs> well, I, I like
2: it. A lot of people complain about it, but I, nah. I love going to sleep to the sound of frogs oh, and yeah. owls saying, and yeah. crickets. Uh, now, Sharon has sent us in a photo and she says, could you please identify this frog? He appeared after the rain on Thursday night and it looks like one of our little motorbike frogs. Uh,
0: and, of course, uh, yes. they,
2: they're certainly out and about. And w- what I understand is when you've got a body of water and the frog is calling. It's actually the male, and I remember Mm. Eric McCrum saying this, and the male is saying, I have water. Come here. Come.
0: Come here, my love. Come (laughs) to me. Come here.
2: Come a little Uh, bit closer. uh, Oh, yeah.
0: Got you. (laughs) I love it. All right, we're heading to Craigie. Terry, good morning. Hello. How are you going?
2: Good. Good, thanks, Terry.
6: Okay, so I've got a neighbour who asked me if I could... uh, pin back her oleanders and I didn't know if if you can and how do you do it so I'm giving you a call to say what's the deal with those when do I do it and can you cut back
1: oleanders?
2: yes you absolutely can Uh, you cut them back to maintain their size and shape you do it after flowering so that could possibly be now if they've finished flowering and please Terry watch out for the milky sap which can be toxic and it can blind you and harm you. So personal protective equipment is important. Eyewear as well as long sleeve clothing and gloves would be advisable. Wow. And don't is and don't okay? forget your steel cap shoes because if you drop your seconders on your toes, mm. it could get messy. Fair enough. You know
6: when I was in school back in the day, they were banned. You could yeah in schools because of that reason. Because if kids cut themselves and they brush up against these things, they could get sick and infected.
0: Oh
2: well, yeah, it's a funny thing, isn't it? Because the leaves of um, tomato plants are toxic. So so many we, things are. Yeah, I I just think we need to educate ourselves be and aware. our children. Be, uh, aware. be aware. Be careful. Take precautions. Sure. Um, and share. Should I just cut these
6: things back? Should I just cut these things back as you normally would, just a uh, like, uh a or so I really hit it hard.
2: Well, is it very big? No, they're about three foot tall. Oh, okay. Yeah. So there are some different varieties. There's some very yeah, right. gorgeous dwarf mm. ones. Mm. So if you've got a lot of growth on it, you could certainly probably take to it with head shears, uh, the battery-powered ones. Um, you yeah. know, that's a good way of getting through a lot in the garden, and now's a great time to be doing that just going out and just giving a lot of things a light clip. And you can leave the, the prunings if they're not too big on the ground and that will help suppress weeds as well. So oh. if, if the branches are bigger, then go in and do some detailed pruning, cut back to a node. But otherwise, yeah, make the choice. Um, hedge pruners, you can get a long way in a garden with the battery-operated ones.
6: Yeah, that'll go Do you have to wait till all the flowering has stopped or until it really slows
2: down? You, you don't have to. You could prune them at any time. And, you know, you might time it with a verge collection if there's a lot of waste or oh, okay. oh, when right. you're free and available. Okay. All
6: right. Well, thank you very much.
2: My pleasure. Have a great day.
0: Have a, have a nice one. Bye. Bye, Bye Terry. And there's a gorgeous oleander. I know I've sent you some photos of it down the street from where I live and it's a dwarf, but it's the the flowers in are in cluster form. Oh. Like you do see some oleanders dwarfs where there's a spread of flowers over the the bush if you like. This one's clustered in heads. Like like a hydrange, but mm. then oleanders. gee, it grabs me, and it's so tough and when we oh. had that summer, not the one we'd just been through, the one before, which was treacherous, the only thing that really looked great in the street was that it just survived so well, you know yeah, and it it's... really you know my antenna went up well, and, and looking they at it.
2: they love coastal conditions, they'll tolerate the wind, they'll just pop in the sun, won't they you know you can. Yeah just one of those plants that goes yeah. bring it on throw yeah. it at me throw it at me yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: ha ha Loves and as it, yeah. gardeners
2: you know we mm. we get a great deal of relief when we look at our gardens and they they're powering through yeah. if we look at our plants and they're sickly and limp and struggling and frizzled then we feel that oh, too it's very, you so we become very
0: despondent
2: i think moving forward mm. uh with with tougher climate and less water we can start to use these these plants as as backup. Yeah, absolutely. Mm, the
0: mainstay. 100%. All right, we need to go to a break. On the other side of it, I think I will give something away. Curtain Radio. Thanks for your company this morning. Going straight out to the lines, talking to Margaret. How are you, Marg? Oh, good morning, girls. How... Morning? Morning. It's cold. It is, isn't it? It's 13.1 degrees at the moment. Probably chilly. Oh, really?
3: Well, it's 11 here. Yeah,
0: I was going to say Mundaring, yes.
3: <laughs> Very winterish.
0: It is winterish, yeah. and you can't mm-hmm. believe that we're popping up to, by the end of the week, by Wednesday, Thursday, 27th. Such, Lovely. A, ro- such a roller coaster. Yes. I'm
3: still trying to get my Clyveas to flower. <laughs> oh. I haven't had much luck yet. Um, look, I've got a beautiful two meter dracaena and it's a variegated very attractive plant but it's got one it's got two stalks but one of them is two meters well nearly how long should i make the
2: cuttings to propagate Fay? what's the best well way? yes um they're they're just such hardy tough plants margaret um, yeah. Autumn's not a bad time, but honestly, spring would be best. Yeah. And I I remember learning many years ago that if you did it in November, you would get up to five heads come back. Now, I don't oh. know if that's true or not. Like, having said that, I went and cut back a couple the other day because I just wanted to put them in a vase and, you know, I know they will grow, but they will take longer because we're going into the winter. You can cut back sections of stem. So, you know, as, as little as 10 to 15 centimetres and you oh. can put them in a mix and what is under the ground will grow roots and what is above the ground will send up shoots.
0: Yeah. Uh,
2: but you could you could put uh, a 50-metre stem in a glass of water and it would take roots. Good. Take root. Uh if you're doing the small cuttings, you could also create a dome or like a humid environment, like with a plastic bag strung over something like wire. Oh, a plastic, plastic cool drink bottle would do that. Yeah, mm. exactly. Mm. 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 Lots oh, of different techniques. And, and right now, it's, it is really a lovely time for propagating, mm. especially as yeah, we're I trimming see. back a lot of things. Um, mm. We don't, yeah, trimming back things to me means I end up propagating lots of things
3: so the the top that I cut off how long should I leave at the stalk for the top so
2: how much do you want to cut it back a lot
3: of bit I've got a lot of bare stalk
2: you see the
3: growth at the top
2: and is it single or are there others well no there's
3: there uh, there's a second one which is not quite so high. Okay. I, Half the high, meter yeah, high.
2: I tend to look at the plants and look at where I would ideally want that next head of growth. So if I had uh, okay. one stem that was at fifty centimetres and the other one was at a metre, then I would probably cut down about twenty five centimetres so that I I have a staggered look. Right. But it's up to yes. you, What whatever you think is is going to be a nice look.
0: Yes,
3: yeah, okay, yeah. Because, I mean, that's going to grow new roots as well. I mean, it, it, it all grows roots, but, um, I mean, it is vertical. You strike
2: it vertically like most plants. Yes, you? and you know what? You can just cut the top off, trim away so there's only a couple of leaves left, and just stick that into the pot, Margaret, and then you'll fill out the pot. So you, you don't have to take it away at all.
3: No. Oh, that's a good idea. Yes, yes. That's lovely. Thanks so much, Faye. You're welcome. Fantastic, fantastic frog talk with John.
2: We just learn more and more all the time, don't we? Yes, yes. Thanks very much.
3: Bye. You're welcome,
0: now. Margaret. See you, Margaret. Bye. Ciao. Bye. Bye. All right, and let's try and squeeze in one more talk. Be chat I should say before the news Maria, good morning
5: Hi Maria, are you there? Oh, good morning, yes good morning, good morning ladies and gentlemen I have a, a Chinese pillow and it's looking absolutely beautiful at the moment but I, because it's in a pot, in a big pot I don't want it to grow overly big so I wonder do I prune it now or I wait until the, uh, uh, in the winter or what?
2: Well, it will lose lots, it will lose leaves over the winter and um, like the pot itself will control the size of the plant. Do you need to cut it back?
5: Not at the moment, but I want it because, you know, uh, I want it to be thicker sort of, to become like an umbrella sort of thing. So... I don't need to cut it back at the moment, but I was just wondering, when will I cut it back? And okay. if I need it to do it now, before the winter, or waiting until the spring, I'm not quite sure. Yeah,
2: I think I would wait until it loses some of its leaves and you can see the framework of the plant.
5: Okay. Lovely. It's absolutely beautiful. And it's in a pot and absolutely, I love it. But I want to make sure that I keep it safe and I keep it <laughs> healthy. Yeah, for sure.
2: Well, okay. and that's about maintaining the the potting mix in the pot, um, giving yeah. it perhaps some wetting agents, some compost, uh, yeah. maybe some seaweed. Next week we're we're talking about seaweed uh, and its yeah. benefits. Yeah. So I
5: will I will definitely do that. So thank you very much for your input, and have a lovely day. You're welcome. Thanks,
0: Maria. Bye. Bye for now. And we'll be heading to the news uh, very, very soon. Can we squeeze something in beforehand? <laughs> if we can, uh, I'm this is thirty an, seconds here, girl.
2: An email from John in Manjumap. Lovely to hear from you again, John. And he saw these cups and thought of the team here. One plant short of crazy, and it's a, <laughs> a coffee mug. With, well, lots of aroids and succulents. Oh, and Monstera. I love that one plant
0: short of crazy. <laughs> yes, we'll take the crazy bit. No problems whatsoever, John. Thank you very much. We love your humour. It's very close to the bone. <laughs> well, my daughter
2: said, Mum, you have issues. And I said, no, darling, I have Assets.
0: Assets. <laughs> And, and and what did she say to that? Get a bit of an eye roll Yes, often. She couldn't answer. You. She couldn't answer you. All right, everyone. Uh time for some news. Right now thirteen degrees in Perth with a humidity at eighty four percent. Possible shower today, maximum of twenty one. The minimum overnight is thirteen, and the maximum tomorrow twenty two with a shower or two. And on Monday, the minimum will be 13, partly cloudy, maximum of 24. And I can see for the rest of the week, starting from Tuesday onwards, the temperature is going to creep up from 25 and then up to 27. So quite a contrast for us and the garden. But... It, the garden will be quite happy with all that rain that we've had and now the sun's coming. Look out. Yeah. I know. And, Ray, in the break, we've been joined by yet another, another plant, plant in the studio. Well, one of our volunteers, gorgeous Suzanne Fletcher, she is a very, very good gardener and a beautiful lady to boot, One, a very genuine lady, uh, and I really appreciate that about her. She brought in a beautiful plant for you, actually, the red blood
2: lily yes and there's yes. two in the plant and ray me, tells me she doesn't have one yet. i don't have the
0: red i have so, the white so, i will be going home to divide that so healthy right mm. yeah yeah so thank you suzanne and good luck uh <laughs> with your procedure today
2: and that mug you know one we have plant had that short as well. of crazy <laughs> well you know well, some that people
0: just... would say no it's too late she's already <laughs> crazy i'm pretty sure Yeah, no, we love it. 94841927. You know what? I think I'm going to give something away. Good idea, $75 gift voucher up for grabs from Bigger Trees up in Pickering Brook. They are WA's leading frangie supplier and also specialising in ornamental and fruit trees. Got a huge range of plants up there. Easily one of the nicest nurseries. I've said that so many times. It is a joy to visit. Uh, They deliver, by the way, across the metro area and you can learn a lot more about what they get up to, biggertrees.com.au. They have great online options for you as well, but I certainly recommend. It's it's a lovely morning or afternoon out visiting Bigger Trees and having a, a wander through their nursery. She has so much on offer to look at. Check out their Facebook page too for updates. Now, this is one of John's questions. You must be a Curtin FM member. And not to have won a prize in the last 28 days. Uh, you'll be giving Bev a call with the answer. Here's the question. According to her song, Eartha Kitt is just an old-fashioned girl who likes old-fashioned things. Which old fashioned <laughs> <Flashing. laughs> it's, it's a bit of a tongue twister because I'm talking flowers and fashion and I, get, <laughs> I combine the words. Which old-fashioned flower does she like? Say it again. According to her song, Eartha Kitt... Is just an old-fashioned girl who likes old-fashioned things. Which old-fashioned flower does she like? Give Bev a call, 94841927. Okay, now we have our next guest online, Bonnie Francis. We're talking... Falconer. Sorry. (laughs) Bonnie Falconer. Do you know these glasses, my million-dollar glasses? These are the multi vocal, but they're not the ones that I'm supposed to be using for the computer. I have another pair, and they're sitting at home. And uh, but these yeah my million dollar glasses I like to call them, and they just, just about cost that I'm not not exaggerating. <laughs> okay, Bonnie Falconer, good morning. Forgive me, you're with Ray and Faye.
2: Good morning, ladies. How are you today? We're very well, thank you. Lovely of you to join us today, Bonnie. Um, Tell us a bit about yourself, like what what's your background?
7: So my background is in horticulture. So I've been working. For the horticultural industry for 20 years, working in um, wholesale, retail nursery, and um, parks and gardens, basically. But um, but I do also have another speciality, which is I'm going to be talking about today, which is um, fungi.
2: Oh, and I know it's a passion of yours. You you're just such a great contributor, and you chime in and identify many fungi that are posted on the Facebook pages, and. Yeah, so just go ahead. Tell us about what what you love about fungi, and and what's happening out there right now. Yes.
7: Yeah, so what I love about fungi is, you know, fungi is is an amazing, amazing um, part of our ecosystem. Yes. And you know, everywhere you walk, this is what people don't realise is. There is fungi all around us, yeah. underneath our houses, on our trees, in our lawn, in our garden beds, in our pots. Um, they are we are surrounded by fungi, and that's and it's a beautiful thing, you know. We um, and you know going out there and really appreciating what we've got out there. Um, in our landscapes, in our bush area, in our gardens, it's just great to um, wake up every morning, go to work, and seeing all all this different um, fungi um, popping up everywhere after after rain or when we've had a bit of, um bit of heat going
2: on as well.
7: That's so, a great
2: thing. So these are the fruiting bodies, because as you say, the the fungi's under us, but we don't always see it. It's a high. No. A, a highway, a network of fungal threads, and then when the rains come, boom, it starts yep, absolutely. fruiting. Absolutely, and the fruiting body has got
7: a name which which is um, well known as being mycelium. So mycelium is actually, if you look at it being like the internet, and we've got all these servers connecting people like on yes, Facebook yes, yes. and everywhere else, YouTube, our televisions, everything else – Fungi is exactly the same. It connects our trees, it connects our animals, our insects, our plants, and everything um, all around us. And that's that's the thing that's really
2: fascinating about um, about fungi itself. So people are a bit worried though when they see something in their lawns mm. or pots. in their pots. Mm. You know, they think it's bad. Mm.
7: Yeah, not all not all fungi is actually bad. Um, that is um, a bit of a thing that's come out of that whole uh, myth of the toadstools. Toadstools were always like the bad fungi, like plants and everything else in our world. We've always got the good good guys and the bad guys. Now, uh, fungi is no different from that. So you've always going to have the good guys and the bad guys. Some of your fungi that pops up in in your pots, they you know, you can't eat them. You can't do anything like that with them. But they are beneficial to have in your pots and your yeah, garden because yeah. they help to break down your compost. They help to yeah. break down your soil conditioner, so your plants can take up all the great nutrients in there. And and they just they can come out with some beautiful colours. So um, so there's no reason to actually fear them. There's a lot of reason to actually love them and actually yeah. appreciate fungi yeah. out there.
2: Yeah. So, one of your specialties I know are the Earth stars. Tell us yes. a, a bit about them and what they look like. Mm. Yes, yes.
7: so Earth stars are a very fascinating group of puffballs now um they're basically characteristic of looking like a little star in the ground. So if you're out walking and you peel back a little bit of leaf litter or a little bit of mulch or something in your garden and you see this little little thing that looks like a star and it's got like a puff, a sack that's like a puffball, that's um, that's what they call earth stars or another name, um, giastrum. And um, they are really, really um, amazing fungi to have. Like um, for many years, a lot of indigenous cultures have actually used stars for medicinal uses, for respiratory problems, for um, helping with preventing bleeding. All the little spores are used for that, Gosh. and. And that's, you know, that's worldwide, you know, like you've got from the ancient Chinese to the American Indians. And we're now trying to find out what some of the uses for um, some of our local indigenous people. So we can really get out there that they are good to have. You know, it's um, great to appreciate fungi. We can do more research with them. And another thing I love about Earth stars is if you actually ever watch them out there, is they can detect rain. So um, if you see these little things, they've got little things on the side, which are like a star-shaped structure, which is called rays. And when, when they're immature and they're not ready to disperse spores, they will actually use their little rays, outstretch them, sit themselves up, and they will move like a couple of centimetres across the ground to um, move themselves out of the rain.
0: Out of the rain.
7: Yeah. Um,
0: and yeah, how so big they, are they? How So if listeners are wanting to find them, I'd like to look for them. How how big?
7: So they can range from size to size depending on what species. So you can yeah. get really tiny little ones that are probably less than a centimetre. Right, yeah. Or you can get ones that are about between 12 to
2: 18 uh, millimetres.
0: Okay. Um,
2: they're so quite, ones, quite so. visible. They are. Mm. They are. What fascinated me, because I know I've got them in my garden, but when you started naming them with different names just because to me they just they were just earth stars. but how many have you come across Bonnie?
7: Um, I've come across um, def- um, definitely um, ten different types, and they all do have something unique about them, like um, you can sort of look at them at the naked um, with the naked eye, and a lot of people think that they look the same. Out in the field, yeah. but when you start to see uh, what plants they um, have a relationship with, and where they're found, and size of them, and you start looking at them under the microscope, you actually start to notice that there are tr- differences between them. So there's probably about ten different ones that I have actually seen so far. Wow. But we do we. Between myself and Dr. Neil um, Bowger, who is head mycologist for WA Herbarium, he um, we do believe that there is more out there, but we've still got a long way to go with the research in regards to finding out how many more other species and trying to get um, DNA testing on them
2: as well. Now, tell me the relationship with different plants. What have you noticed? What... Who? Yeah. Can you tell me more about that? Like, I know I've got some in the rose garden. I've got some in a native garden. I've got some in bare soil. How could I narrow that down?
7: yeah so um so you've got different types that will have a um relationship with different plants, so a lot of your fungi, like your bracket fungi, your turkey tail fungi, and a lot of the ones that you find on the trees they'll basically have a relationship with trees such as eucalyptus trees, jarrah trees and um, some of your other native trees. So a lot of them do have a really good relationship with our native plants. What I have found with a lot of things like puffballs and um, agaricus fungi, which is like your field mushrooms, mm-hmm. um, you, you'll actually find that they will have a relationship with a lot of things like um, your lomundra. Yes, uh, yeah, plants. yeah You've got your some of your other um smaller native plants, acacias as well. Um they tend to have a really good relationship with acacias. There's also some um other fungi that we find that will have a relationship with um oak trees, um silver birches. And your Chinese um, tallow trees, Um, they're basically um, things like truffles. So you've got your native truffles, you've got your false truffles and your normal edible um, truffles. And they love... Big tree, big ornamental um, trees like that. Um, you've got also a few um, few other ones that we notice that just have a relationship with um, a lot of bark and a lot of mulches. So that's mainly a lot of ink caps. Um, your your flower pot parasols like your compost and your mulch, even in your um, garden beds and pots. And you've got um, some some of your other ones that will actually um, just um, grow in other unusual spots as well, like your lion's mane and your oyster mushrooms.
0: So, Bonnie, for listeners that would like to look at fungi more closely, how long does the fungi season generally go for? And are there tours or any recommendations you can make to listeners of how they can learn more if they are so inclined?
7: Yeah, yep. So um so basically um with a l- lot of that sort of stuff, I'd actually recommend to um there's a really good book on um on fungi which is called Wild Mushroom. What's it called? Now, that's Wal- Wild Mushrooming. And that's from a guy called um, Tom May, who's a researcher at the Melbourne Botanic Gardens. Um, him and another mycologist, Alison Paulier, um, they put a book together on um, on different mushrooms. And so basically your edible mushrooms, your non-edible mushrooms. Mm. They've even got recipes at the back of the book on what you can use them for um, different um, cooking um
5: ingredients Mm.
7: and other things um there's a few other other things that you can go if you're more into going online to learn about uh, fungi there's some really great people on social media youtube that um, have some great information about um about different uh, varieties on how to study them uh one particular guy, two particular guys I follow quite often is um, Paul Stamets and Alan um, Rockefeller. They um, they are really, really informative. They've actually taught me a few things with um, getting spore prints. They teach about how to do a spore print mm. of a mushroom, how to look at them under a microscope, how to... Um, How to take field photographs of them and how to record them. So that's another great thing. iNaturalist is another good um, thing that you can use. um, Little apps and what you do is you just take a photo of them when you're out outside, even in your own garden. Yeah, yeah. And there's some wonderful people who are really good experts out in the field that will help people to identify these things as well.
0: And what about tours? Are there any tours available? (laughs)
7: <laughs> that's, um that's been a topic of discussion. Um, there is a lot of other places. Unfortunately, um, here in Australia, there isn't a big lot of tours yeah. um, that can be done. But um, the Fungi Study Group for uh, the WA Naturalist um, Club, they do once a year around about May or June, they do a f- um, fungi survey, which um, people can... Um, go and join up with the um, naturalist club and um, join the guys there and they teach you um, little um, little tricks of the trade like using a magnifying glass under the gills to have a look at the gills and um, you get to meet uh, new people out in the field who share the same uh, Same passion for fungi and um, other things, and you get to meet some other experts as well, such as um, Neil Belger. He sometimes comes along. We've got another. There's another wonderful lady who's very um, knowledgeable as well, Ros Hart.
0: Yes, yes, and we know, we know, Ross. Bonnie, you're just a wealth of information yourself and um, your your passion just uh, oozes out of you when you're talking and your knowledge is incredible. Thank you so very, very much for joining us today. It's just a whole different world, isn't it? It's a whole new world. It is, absolutely. All right, we'll let you get back to your weekend. Take care. No worries. Thank you very much. Okay. Cheers. Bye. Bye for now. And we do have a winner for our $75 gift voucher from Bigger Trees, Yvonne of Morley. Congratulations. That will be in the mail to you this week.
8: 100.1 FM 24
0: minutes after 9, you are tuned to Let's Talk Gardening, Curtain FM 100.1. Coming up at 10 a.m. will be George Minoldi with the classic 60s for you. Okay, lots lots to get through still, believe it or not, and another seventy five dollar gift voucher to give away this hour from Green Life Soil Co. So stay tuned for that for our current. Well, we've had more emails come in, Ray. Yeah, and Peter
2: has asked about her. Echium candy cans, which is the pride of Madeira, mm. it's never flowered. It's got lovely foliage but no sign of flower spikes and it's been in the ground for two years. So mm. I yeah, guess it it's doing the, the right mm. thing. It can take two to three years if it's mm. been grown from seed. Oh. But things to check out for, are: does it have enough sun? Because mm. we do they know like that, that plants need sun to flower. So if it's in a shady spot, mm. that could be slowing it down. Also, if it's getting a lot of nitrogen fertilizer and it's putting its energy into the the leaves, mm. that could be at the expense of flowering. so over the summertime, generally, you would give it a fertilizer that's designed for controlled release and control uh, and for flowering and fruiting. Mm. so if you do all that, then fingers crossed next year will be the year.
0: they're a beautiful thing.
2: Oh, they're stunning, they go very large, very large. Spires of purple uh, flowers and multiples of flowers. So the insects really love them. Oh, yeah. Lots of little, little flowers. Which I ended up pulling mine out,
0: though, because I had the Patterson's Curse weevil. Mm. And to beat him, I don't think I was going to win. And I had him attacked. For the second year in a row, and it just damaged the plant so much that I knew that it was going to be an ongoing battle to keep this. So I pulled it out.
2: And they're not long lived, so mm. they will often die down. Um, Mine not even got started. Oh,
0: that's a real shame. <laughs> well, it is, it is, but it's it's life. I I put that's where I put my flowering quince. Mm. Oh, I nice. It in that position, see how mm. we go. Yes. That should be longer lived, I'm sure. Mm. Uh, Helen has sent us in
2: a photo of her maidenhair fern and it does appear that it's got scale on the stems. Uh, That's, yeah, what to do with that, Helen. I would remove all the infected growth. In fact, I would just cut the the whole plant to ground level, uh, give it some seaweed, check the soil and a little bit of half-strength fertiliser at mm. this time of year and that will just come back, hopefully pest-free. That's that's all I would do. Yeah. And, you know, we talked to Johnny about frogs. One of the things that we need to try to do is avoid the use of chemicals incorrect. and insecticides yeah. in our gardens. Yeah. If we can do that, mm. we will be going a long way to building habitat and encouraging good bugs into yeah. the garden as well. Mm. Now a email from Craig and he sent in some photos of chilli plants that have gone off mm, and he'd, very. he'd like to know, you know, why they're looking worse for wear. He's tried varying the amount of water as well as adding uh sea salt, but nothing's working. Well, you know, they they do certainly go backwards when cold weather comes. So I'm not sure how much protection and sun these plants are getting. Some of them look quite good.
0: Do you think it's insect attack?
2: Well, the, you can see one of the plants, particularly Ray, looks mm. very, it's been around for a while. Okay. Yes, there are, there are insects that have attacked it, but it needs a cut back. Yeah. If you cut that plant back, you will encourage new growth. Yeah. I would even remove all the, the daggy leaves. Um, but, you know, we're going into winter. Yeah. So chilies are an annual plant. Unless mm. they're growing in an area that has a controlled microclimate, then they're not all going to survive through winter. So chilli thrip
0: wouldn't have attacked the chilli plant? Well,
2: it it may have. Mm. But now with the rains coming, but that doesn't really look like a chilli thrip problem to me. Okay. There's, there's signs of something bigger eating the oh, leaves. Yeah,
0: yeah.
2: But the the plant itself looks daggy. We've seen the best of it. Give it a cut back. Um, Check, make sure that it's not too wet Mm. because that can cause problems. And also make sure that the water is getting to the soil. Mm. So, yeah, a little bit of investigation. But a good cut back for, Mm. for a lot of things at this time of year. I'm tending to go through pot by pot and just cut off any daggy or damaged leaves, checking the soil, giving it a drink of seaweed, uh, and, and propagating new plants from what I'm cutting back. And, you know, the the health of my plants is looking really good at the moment. Yeah, the, they're just getting a bit of love.
0: Yeah, the citrus gall wasp is wreaking havoc at the moment. Check your trees, uh, people, yeah, because it's definitely uh, a lot of problems out there in certain areas in, in, in Perth, including where I am. So, yeah, I had trouble last year. So I'm yet to check my own tree. I will be doing that over the weekend. I, I haven't seen
2: any haven't sign of any? it. Mm. No, not at this stage anyway. Uh, this has come from Virginia. After 14 years in Canning Vale, we finally heard a frog. We live <laughs> opposite a park, oh. which is also a stormwater drain, so it gets occasional flooding. Perfect environment. The moaning frog is calling from the street drain at the upper end of the park. I was so excited to hear it until I realised it's right outside my bedroom and it moans all night long. All night. Oh,
0: that's, I just find it reassuring. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to, that being, being at one with nature. Yes, yes.
2: I see mm. that sort of thing, you know, just it puts me off to sleep. Well, There's it's not soothing. much that keeps me awake, actually. Oh,
0: that's good to mm. hear. I yes. sleep very well. Yes, good. Couple of
2: events coming up, yeah, Ray. Yeah. Next weekend, the 22nd of April, the Wildflower Society of WA Northern Suburbs branch have their plant sale. They have tube stock available. The sale itself goes from 9 o'clock to 2 o'clock at Lansdale Farm, and that's the corner of Lansdale and Evendale Roads in Darch. Grow with us and link with nature. And they will have a lot of plants that are not available elsewhere. And this is this we love. And now is the best time. We've had that first rain. Yeah. This the soil. You know, it's time to start digging. It's time to start managing your
0: weeds, and start planting. Yeah. And another event coming up very soon on May seven is the autumn show. It's at the Bruce Douglas. Pavilion in Salisbury Road, Swanview. This is the Northern District's Orchid Society. It's their autumn show. Okay, that's coming up on Sunday the 7th of May from 9am to 3pm at the Bruce Douglas Pavilion, Salisbury Road in Swanview. Uh, So much happening there. Only entry is only $5. Seniors are $3, including a cuppa. How's that? and there's going to be orchids and fertilizer pots and gerberas for sale and culture info by local growers lots of information there at the coming up at the Northern Districts Orchid Society on the 7th of May and orchids are one of those plants that
2: just you know they they hang around in the background yeah. they grow themselves all year yeah. and then they burst into flower so yeah. and what a pop of color and display they put on for yeah. sure And, of course, only a month from now is the
0: Perth Garden Festival. It's come around. It feels like it's come around quickly, and that is because it has, because we had it last year. We're under about October off the top of my head, and now we're going in for the Perth Garden Festival again. Uh, It's running up between the 11th and 14th of May, something like that. Correct. Again off the top of my head. Uh, The final day, the Sunday, is actually Mother's Day as well. Uh, but, yeah, that is coming up and we'll talk more about that as we move closer to the event. I know we're going to be giving some tickets away to that soon as well. So we look forward to the Perth Garden Festival very, very much. We'll be definitely getting along. Are you, you're talking now.
2: I'm talking, yes, and uh, I've been talking to Chris Ferriera about doing um, a talk uh, with him. At mm-hmm. He's combining with the Water Corp and yeah. that's the Forever Project. So they're doing pop-up gardens and... He did ask me about doing something on
0: bugs and building bug hotels. So, Okay. We're in in talks. Okay. So, okay. We'll learn more as we get closer. We're in Willerton, Jess. Good morning.
8: Oh, good morning. I'm just uh, listening to you there were about all this... Um...
0: Mushrooms oh, and fungi.
8: Mushrooms, yeah. Now, mushrooms. And I've got some that come up in my front garden in the wettest patch sort of thing of the grass... And they're brown and mottled on top, but they're absolutely white underneath. And if you let them grow, you know, for a few days, I was taking a photo of them where they're about as big as a plate. Wow. Yeah. And uh, I've also shifted, I suppose, underground or whatever it is. I was out in the park, which I back onto yesterday, and I thought, oh, God, here they are out here now. And it's the same sort of mushroom. But I wouldn't dare cook them and eat them. Oh
0: heavens, know. no!
2: And that is, that is a big lesson for everyone out there who is listening. The only mushrooms you should be eating are the ones that you buy from the supermarket. Mm. Don't if go you for have origin. to ask, mm. yeah. then definitely not. Mm. Uh, if you do, put a piece beside the bed so the coroner.
0: And do a diagnosis. Mm. He knows what and, it was that took you out. Yeah, and, and, and John, other, John always says you only
8: only eat it once. A, That's right. I, I yes. can give him a bucketful and he can eat them into you now. But you know <laughs>
0: but they're just
8: pure white underneath when you pick them up and look yeah. at them. You know, and break them apart. They're not any colour, no pink or no greyish or anything there. You know. Well, Jess, one
2: one thing that you could do if you wanted to is take photos. You take photos of the stem, like Bonnie said, uh, getting a little mirror, like a compact mirror, and putting it underneath to take a photo, and that reflects the gills, and seeing if there's a little collar around the stalk to attach to the, the cap. Um, and, yeah, yeah just a, a, a range of photos that show and depict the mushroom, and we could get an ID for you. The other thing that they do is pick the caps and put them on paper and when they dry out, the spores drop on the paper and that will give you a spore print and tell you colour, like what colour the spores are. So Mm -hmm. these are all ways of identifying them.
8: Yeah, and and there is, you know, like tiny little ones that only come over about as big as your thumbnail when you see them come through the grass and you wobble them around a little bit and I get them out by the... Root, you know, and I sort of put them in the bin because I don't want them to spread anymore, you know. But I thought they just may be something that um, people around other people are aware of or get them and they. Well, Jess, I would imagine
2: you. All you are doing is removing the fruiting body because, mm. as Bonnie said, the the mycelium spreads underground, and ninety five percent of that. Mushroom is underground. Mm. It's only not even five percent that's above when it fruits.
8: Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I just thought you might. I definitely agree that they would be poisonous. I would think anyway. Mm -hmm.
0: Thanks for your call. Love to have a good weekend. Yeah. And and thanks
8: for the information. Thank you. Thanks, Jess.
0: And we do have free lines nine four eight four one nine two seven. I'm going to give away a voucher. I think I'll do that while I've got a little bit of space. And this is from Green Life Soil Co. The lovely Paul and Linda Mitchner. Now, Green Life Soil Co., they know Perth sandy soils are a challenge to you and have developed several specialist soil mixes designed to help radically improve moisture and nutrient nutrient get it out, Ray, retention. And for those of you with clay, they can help you out with that as well. So delivering a greener garden is Green Life Soil Co.'s motto. And they make their own quality soil mixes and soil improvers to ensure you achieve excellent results and a greener garden. Green Life Soil Co. is not just any soil yard. They're there to help you achieve the garden of your dreams. Chat directly with Paul and Linda Michener or browse Green Life Soil dot com dot to see the many products and services that they do have available now again you must be a Curtin fm member not to have won a prize in the last 28 days we need this to be the third caller through with the correct answer it's a true or false okay here we go the third caller through with the right answer will be our winner of the 75 dollar voucher from green life soil co Here we go. True or false. The strawberry is one of only four fruits that has its seeds on the outside. True or false. The strawberry is one of only four fruits that has its seeds on the outside. Give me a call. 94841927. Now, shall we talk about winter veggies, Ray? Well,
2: let's do it. Okay. Garlic. Of course, Mm. that can go in any time from the beginning of well, March yeah, onwards. Yeah. For, um,
0: and, until what time? What's the cut off point? When you well, say well, you took you missed the boat.
2: <coughs> oh well, if it's shooting in the the cupboard, you've already lost some of the goodness. Yeah, so better okay. to do it sooner rather than later. Um, mm-hmm. you know, you could probably plant it as late as June. It, okay. It would then uh, be harvestable around beginning of October mm. onwards mm. as the plant dies down. And, of course, when it does start to die down, you back off on the water and the bulb swells. So, like with all bulbs, the goodness goes into the bulb and it swells and the bigger the bulb. And feed it during the winter. Uh, hopefully they will just survive on winter rainfall, mm. but keeping them moist and weed free yes. is is very advisable, very
0: helpful. Okay.
2: Uh, Potatoes are another one that you can be growing now. They're a great winter crop and a great way to uh, break up the soil and you can just about set and forget them. Mm. Um, Once again, when the plants die down, then you dig down and start harvesting the tubers. Beetroot, you know, you can grow that year round. You can use the leaves, pick them, put them in salads, you can steam them and then, of course, the root grows and they don't seem to get attacked by many pests so that's another good reason why i love them in the same family of course are chard and silver beet uh, grown for their leafy greens mm. the ford hook giant is a favorite of mine that gets very big green curly leaves and the rainbow chard mm-hmm. that that looks beautiful always even just visually yeah uh onions as far as uh your chives and garlic chives they're a Good year round love plants. and them. they grow very well in pots. And the flowers are edible as well. Mm. And the flowers also bring in good bugs, so a great companion plant. Uh, snow peas grow from seed; they come up in no time, and only a few weeks—probably about ten weeks—and you will be, be picking. eating them. Yep, a great forage plant and yeah. a great one for the kids. Yeah, um, uh, sunflowers—they grow very easily from seed. I've Mm. actually been planting some of the dwarf ones and they're still in their little seedling punnets, but they're starting to push out buds. Yeah. And that's just like only a few weeks. It's quite unbelievable. Yeah. Um, Broad beans, a great winter crop. And, of course, the shoots are edible as well. Mm. So you don't have to wait for the, the pods. But, Yeah, they're a great one, and the flowers too are edible, so lots of things that you can uh, pick from your garden not just the fruits, but the leaves, the flowers, but the stems, etc. Mm. Chinese veg, quick mm. growers the bigger the pot, the bigger the plant, uh, and repeat harvesting. You can mm. cut them off at ground level, and boom, they come back, they again. Come back again. Celery does the same thing, mm. so that's that's another good one, and um. You know, growing them near the back door and perhaps using water, well, natural rainfall, but also having a bucket in the shower. So when you're Mm. waiting for that hot water to come through, you're saving that water and you can chuck a bit of fertiliser in that and throw it on your garden. On your garden. That and water from your steamed veggies. Don't throw it away. Let it cool first and put that on your garden. Perfect.
0: Thank you very much, Faiakaro. Very informative. When we return from the break, we'll be chatting about uh, growing garlic with Roy, and you've also got other tips we're going to talk about today if we get the time. and radio, and we're back. You're tuned to Let's Talk Gardening. Now I'm going to give the competition answers out very soon, uh, just after we've spoken to a very patient Roy. How are you? I'm Morning, Roy. Good. Thank
6: you. Morning. Uh, I've I put I've just put in some uh, garlic bulbs into my. Uh, garden beds. I got two beds, and I put them in about twelve days ago. And I was told that they sh- it shouldn't be too wet. Now I'm just. My question would be: Should I put sort of a uh, shade cloth over that to prevent it getting wetter over the next few days? Because we don't seem to be getting a lot of sun in the ne- in this last week and the week ne- the week following.
2: Yep. No, not at all. Right. Garlic are a great all-weather crop as far as this time right. of year and I'm pretty yeah. sure that most soils across Perth are free-draining. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we don't really get boggy soils unless you've added too much mix to your soil. So they, they will get the moisture they need but they will drain away and we are, I don't think we're getting loads of rain every day. We've got some sunshine yeah. coming, mm. you know, garlic, garlic are going to be pretty fine at this time of year. All right.
6: Mm. And they need
2: the full sun.
6: Yeah, that's right. It's out in the sun, but I've noticed the last few days we have not had even the minimum like six hours that we require, and hopefully we do get uh, some days where they've got some sunshine. So I don't need to put uh, any uh, shade cloth over it, yeah?
2: Not at all. They will grow in the full sun, all full, right. Full open, so fully much. open to
0: the weather.
6: Okay. Thank you.
0: You're welcome. Good on you, Roy. Take care. You too. Thank you. Bye. And our winner for the Green Life Soil Co. voucher is Maria of Middle Swan. Good on you, Maria. Uh, you're not too far away from Green Life Soil Co. in any case, and that voucher will be on its way to you. Now, the question was true or false? The strawberry is one of only four fruits that has its seeds on the outside. The answer is false. It is the only one. Strawberry is the only one. And our answer to the question for the trees Voucher, the question was, according to her song, Eartha Kit it's just an old fashioned girl who likes old fashioned things. Which old fashioned flower does she like? The answer is violets. I like the old fashioned flowers. Violets are for me. Have they're made into diamonds by the man at Tiffany? It's a line <laughs> from the song. Wouldn't that be all right? Uh. Yes, yeah, so the answer is violets. And you were going to talk about violets.
2: Well, I was. You know, I have memories um, of, of violets and we used to pick the flowers and pick the leaves. So we would bundle together a, f- a few flowers. We would surround them by the leaves because they've got a little cut out where the leaf stalk hits the leaf. So mm. you can surround the flowers with the leaves and then we would tie them up with black cotton mm. and take them to, to Nana. Oh. Mm. And the smell of violets is unmatched. So mm. a few years ago, Maureen gave me a pot of violets mm. and I'd I'd struggled, you know, I think they'd been in the garden when we bought the house, but then disappeared, and mm. yeah, you know, I didn't end up with any so i I went to quite a bit of trouble to to put some good potting mix in a large pot mm. and I put them in the shade house mm. and then this last year, I planted out part of the garden under a bottle brush tree, I added tree fern and gingers. And for the ground cover plants, I put in some of these violets with well-prepared well, mm. well prepared soil. And the leaves are huge and they're actually creeping out across the path. That so they're doing very well. We've also got in a pot, which I'm now going to go home and repot because of this, uh, white double-flowering violets, which are perfumed. Gorgeous. And they're edible, Ray. Uh-huh. And then we have our own native violets. Yes, which, a lot of people
0: like to use.
2: Yeah, they struggle in my garden on the floor.
0: Mm. Um, if they get too much sun.
2: Yeah, mm. yeah. But they will take the sun if they get the moisture, which, mm. you know, mm. it's a bit of a, Catch you know. Catch And mm. the, the wonderful thing is the trees benefit these understory plants. So, you know, they, they can creep like the earth stars that Bonnie mm. was talking about. Now, the other thing that I was going to say about those earth stars, they have a puff ball that looks like an atomizer in the centre. And and when it rains and drips come down and hit that puff ball, poof, poof, Mm. out comes lots and lots of spores. Mm. And something funny happened one day. I was watering the garden and this plume of dust came up and I'm like, what Whoa, on what's going yeah. on there? And I had to take a closer look. It was actually one of the slime moulds that did the same thing. It had gone to its fruiting body. It had dried out and the little splashes of water just encouraged this puff of spores mm. to just waft out in a plume. Mm. So I was able mm. to take a closer look at the, the wood chip mulch to find out what was going on. It's just... It's magical,
0: yeah. When yeah.
2: you tuned in and turned on, and you know what's going on,
0: noticing yeah. what's around you. Yeah. And speaking of violets, too, we have the nodding violet, don't we? Oh, we do. And I love mine. She's oh, beautiful. They're yeah. so delicate, are sort of Weeping aren't they? and yeah, just ever so pretty. Yeah. They remind me of a conservatory plant from years very much gone so. By. Very much so. Okay. Uh, Okay, we can still squeeze a couple of calls in, I think. I do have to go to yet another break, Uh, but we do have some emails to get through. I've got this gorgeous picture here, Faye, uh, that Pam emailed us this morning of a bougainvillea bloom. It's a good three-foot flowering spike. She's got it sitting in a vase, and honestly, it looks like a Christmas tree, doesn't it? It's gorgeous. It's just lovely. Thanks for sending that in, Pam. It's an absolute joy. Radio. And we are back and we're going straight out to the lines actually. We're talking about mealybugs, and yes, I did mean to touch on that. Mealybug has been so bad this yeah, year. Yeah. I've had it in some of my bromeliads. Mm, yeah, yeah Yuck. No, really bad. Okay, Cheryl, good morning.
1: Yes, good morning, girls. Uh, yes, I have been inundated with mealybugs. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm getting a little confused. Mm. I. I have a plant here at the moment that has had mealybug bug on it, but looking at it, I'm standing right in front of it now, it's got quite a big white, fluffy looking little creature on it. Now I've been told that they actually eat the mealy Is that correct, or
5: yeah, I just it's to the mealy
2: Yeah, uh, very hard to differentiate. Certainly not easy to differentiate on the phone. A, a photo would be handy. The, there is a mealybug destroyer and it is the ladybird larva or the ladybird is uh, Cryptolamus montzurii. That is the mealybug destroyer and it's small and black with little brown eyes and the larvae mm-hmm. are white and fluffy and patrol around looking for mealybugs. So the larvae of the ladybird move much faster than the mealy bug itself. So that's one way of determining the difference. And they are also fluffier. So they've got more filaments that sort of rise up. Um, But once again, small and white and a little bit hard to determine. Well, I think that's
1: wonderful because that just looks like what this little guy looks like and he's waddling around on the plant, whereas normally with the mealybug you hardly see them move.
0: Yes, it's a good
2: sign.
1: Oh, wonderful. So I won't squish him.
2: (laughs) No, and that's wonderful, Cheryl, and it's is—it's hard to know. I mean, you know, when I saw mealybug, I was, Mm. you know, thinking I had to tell you about things that will control the mealybug. thing is, we... We want to be careful what we do do because we don't want to knock out these good guys. And particularly since you've seen the presence of them, that's the last thing that you'd want to do. So in your case, probably if you do see mealy bugs, you could probably get a cotton bud with methylated spirits on it and dab the mealy bug. That way you can do it without harming the good guys.
1: Everything else. Yeah, I, I've got to admit, I it's been so bad this year. A lot of plants, unless it's a favourite one, have actually gone in the bin because I I'm just over them. <laughs> yes.
2: Yeah. And what um, plants are it? Are they affecting? Um,
1: the ivy geraniums have been really bad. Um, um, some of the succulents. Um, they get right down in in the crevices of the succulent. Mm. Um. Yeah, really, really bad. Um, Yeah, but they really haven't been discriminating. Um, Mm. I found some on a hoya the
2: other day, uh, but just enough that I could pick off. Um, Well, just be wary because they can get down into the soil as well. And if you do find a sick plant and you've had mealybug, bug, be, be aware that, you know, it could actually be spreading and that's why your plants don't look 100%.
1: Yeah, well, as I say, I have been throwing some of them. And the other thing, I've boiled the pots because are they likely to get sort of, um, you know, when you've got a pot and it's not 100% clean? Um, So, yeah, I've actually had them sitting out in any sun and then just pouring boiling water through
2: them before I plant anything else in them. (laughs) And watch under the rim too. You know, actually on the dishwasher I found this, there is a pot cycle quite often, and I've, I've been known to put my plant pots, plant
0: pots in through the dishwasher. Through oh, the dishwasher.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh okay. okay. I haven't tried that one.
0: <laughs> but, yeah, clean your pots thoroughly, Cheryl. You're on the right track.
2: Mm.
1: Hi, okay. Jean. Right. Mm. Wonderful. Well, I'm going to let these little guys on here do their trick, hopefully.
2: <laughs> oh, oh, you'll you have a lot of fun watching.
1: Watching to see what they're eating. That's, that's wonderful. Okay.
0: Thanks, Cheryl. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, girls. So okay. Love. Bye. 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 And Let's Talk Gardening was sponsored by Garden in a Bag. Free delivery when buying six bags or more.
2: Tiffany from Waikiki has sent in a photo of her grass tree. Uh, It's not looking too, too, too good at all. There's a lot of dieback and some of the new growth has sort of gone from green to a yellow, yellow, orange-ish colour. There are signs of scale uh but you know there's in comparison there's not a lot of green growth here now you need something to treat the scale but first of all before you even do that i would go right to the centre of the plant to where the the new growth is coming from and grab a couple of those leaves and pull if they pull from the center and it's rotted, yeah, there is nothing Good you night, can nurse. do. Mm. It's just it's all over. Mm. Um, I I'd be tempted to to also go with a fungicide, but that's the first step. Like if you can do that, Tiffany, do do that before we talk about any other treatments. Just mm. test the center. They do if they're going to die. The first and last thing that you can do is pull the centre stalk away and it will be rotten if that's,
0: there's nothing you can do if that happens. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Our work is done. You could put a fork in it. The garden show is done. <laughs> a garden fork. <laughs> put a fork in it. All right. <laughs> Thanking Bev Daring and John Glidden as always, and our very own Faye Akaro. My gardenism for the morning is, I don't think I've mentioned this one, real gardeners plant at least 10,000 plants in the course of a lifetime without having the least idea where they'll put them all. Resonates with me. All right, George Minaldi is next with the classic 60s. Then we go country with Brendan T and Born in Boots from 12 noon. It's been fun, informative morning. Thank you, listeners, and we shall return next Saturday. Look after yourselves. Enjoy this bit of rain. We hope you've enjoyed listening to another edition of Let's Talk Gardening on Curtain Radio. Happy gardening.